Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed Local Provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIP. Welcome to Money MD. The money doctors are in the house, and we're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We're also giving common sense solutions to your complex problems. I'm John Travis. I have an MBA in finance, and I'm also a Dave Ramsey local provider and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 20 years. And I'm Gordon Leppard, financial advisor with Richard Young Associates. Yes, we're here today, John. Good to have you here. We're missing somebody. Hmm. Who might that be? Steve-O is on vacation coming back today, I believe. Lead so Money Surgeon is out of he, the operating room today. He is. He is. So we're going to try to fill in um, the gap here. We'll see how we do. Hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll uh, get some good feedback from him as he's listening to us today. And uh, we are excited to have you here listening to us today on the weekly radio show. We're right here every Saturday, like today, from 9 to 10 a.m. You can also catch us streaming live on moneymd.net. You can uh, click on the right-hand corner of our website, listen to us live. You can also catch our podcast. Catch us on there. iTunes, right? iTunes are out there as well. Right. We, we try to make it easy for you. Uh, we have a website, as I mentioned, moneymd.net. You can link to us, and uh, you can ask us your questions. Um, as I mentioned, the podcast are really popular uh, with a lot of folks out there. So you can also send an email to info at moneymd.net. So, um, you know, I think we have a, a good show here today, Gordon. You know, even though we don't have our, our leader, our maestro here, we're going right. to try to keep it going. I, I, I think we can do it today, John. Uh, we're going to be leading off, I think, with the five retirement planning myths. Yes, this huh? is a, a good article. It's actually out of a, a Swab magazine that um, there's some uh, some things that we see when people try to retire or looking to retire that they assume. Um, but the statistics a lot of times tells us differently. So we're going to dive into to five of those. And when we also have a, a great uh, article from MarketWatch, um, which is a CBS, uh, I think, uh, affiliate. And they uh, it's about money traps to avoid after a spouse's death. And unfortunately, we do a lot of counseling for folks right, right. Um, that have lost a significant other. And so we have some good tips to uh, follow in that case. And then we're going to we're going to finish with an article about Africa. Yes. And how Africa is is really a fertile ground with a lot of investment potential there. Yeah, it's so. interesting. I mean, Africa, you wouldn't think about being a place to invest, but companies are looking towards Africa as a you know, a place to um, to take some of the basic things that you and I have um, and try to grow their revenue and well, try to help people. There, there's so much potential there. And without, you know, giving away some key points of the article before we get away to it, I, I really like one thing that they say within the article is that with so many countries there, I think it's 54 countries, uh, they, they have, you know, diversification already built in. Yeah. Right. Know, so. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Yeah. So, you know, we didn't talk about football at all. <laughs> 
Carolina Ooh. is one and zero. Georgia's one and zero. Tech is one and zero. And there's some other team that we. Who is that? I'm not sure. Is I'm not sure who we're missing there. I don't know. Maybe we'll figure it out later as we go through. Oh, is it Clemson? Ah, Clemson is one and zero as well. They had a squeaker. They did. That's um, yeah. They played. They scrimmaged some high school team, I believe. Wasn't yeah, it? the JV. Okay, JV. But team, they they so made it. I don't even remember who they beat. But um, anyway, today is football. Football Saturday. We love football Saturday. So we're going to dive right into it, uh, Gordon, here. This is the financial fact of the week. This comes from the Department of Labor. And there is some good um, statistics, some good information out there um, in the international markets. Uh, Unemployment rate in the 19-country eurozone was about 10.9%. Uh, as of this last month, and that's a three and a half year low. So I think it was probably up in the fifteen to to eighteen percent range at one point. And the U.S. unemployment rate is down to five point one percent, and that's a seven year low. So that's positive that people are working. It, that is positive. I, I was looking at something the other day though that was talking about uh, how long um, someone is actually considered into that number, mm-hmm. and it's after two years or so, I believe it. They're not even factored into that. Yeah, that's the uh, the folks that are not even looking for work. Correct. So, you know, it is good that that, that overall number's down a little bit, but that's still a little bit skewed. Yes, it is. You're not saying that we would skew any kind of mm, government numbers government numbers? There? Come on. You know how government math works there, John? Yeah, that's right. All right. All righty. So we're going to start off here. Uh, our topic, uh, the first topic of the week is um, five retirement planning myths. Again, this came from... Uh, the Charles Schwab organization. Uh, there's a magazine called On Investing, and it's a it's a good summary of some issues that people have. And you know, optimism in retirement certainly is a good thing, uh, but it's certainly no substitute for careful planning when it comes to saving for retirement. But unfortunately, Gordon, some people have misconceptions about how much they'll need uh, to support themselves and their families in retirement and uh, the steps they'll need to take to get there. So they don't do the proper planning associated with that's right. There's a good balance of optimism and realism. That's right. You know, and just practicalism as far as, like you said, taking necessary steps to plan. There has to be a healthy balance. There's no doubt. And there was a, um, a research, uh, survey that was done recently by the employee benefit research Institute that found that retirees are more likely to say that their expenses in retirement are going to be higher than expected. About 37% said that. Um, 24% said that they were going to be lower, and about 35% said they were going to be about the same. So typically we see them a little bit lower, um, you know, when you look at across the, the, the board, but it really is it depends on each um, each person and each you know situation. That's right, and you know this doesn't mean that most people's savings plans are are doomed to to fall short. You know, hopefully it'll be far from it. It's entirely possible uh, to save for the retirement you've been dreaming about. But the bottom line is that you know judicious savings and planning today can help you avoid. Uh, some common pitfalls that we see a lot of people run into. Uh, here we'll look at a few misconceptions and rosy assumptions like you mentioned about retirement and the reasons why people would be better off avoiding them. Yeah, so number one here on the list is is you can always keep working. And we hear that, we see that a lot of times. Um, this uh, survey found that 67% of workers are planning to continue doing some kind of work for pay after they retire. And I think that's a good thing. I mean, it's another source of income. Right. Um, it's true that people are living longer. They're generally healthier these days. And many retirees find that they want to continue working because they like it. Um, but many of the surveys respondents also gave financial reasons as a reason to continue working. 81% said they need the income to make ends meet. And 74% said they wanted to keep health insurance or other benefits. Right. So the risk here 
is is working isn't always possible. I mean, the survey found that many retirees end up leaving the workforce earlier than planned. Uh, half the respondents in this survey said that they retired unexpectedly. Sometimes workers find that they have enough money to retire early. That doesn't happen too often, but occasionally. Right. Um, but more often uh, than not, people have to stop working due to health problems, uh, maybe the company downsizes, uh, workplace closures. Um, you know, there's a variety of reasons that are causing people to retire early. And so you can't necessarily count um, on that, that work income to make up for the savings. That's right. And when you're looking at that piece of the puzzle, you really need to uh, take inventory and look at what you do Yeah, and, and your set of you know, skills, your skill set. That's right. And, you know, some people do work into their 80s, but, um, you know, you're probably better off structuring your savings plan so that working in retirement is a matter of choice. Not, Not necessity. necessity. Right. Yeah, you're right. Uh, number two here on the list, you'll need only 70 to 80% of your pre-retirement income. Well, if you were saving 20 to 30% of your pre-retirement income, then 70 to 80% uh, replacement rule is a good place to start. Otherwise, mm, you know, this old rule of thumb may have outlived its usefulness. Uh, it assumes that retiring will will free you from certain expenses, you know, any work-related expenses, uh, that you'll have paid off your home, uh, that your children will be financially independent, uh, you know, it's kind of the, the unicorn and rose-colored glasses mm-hmm. sometimes, you know, in, the, in a perfect scenario. Optimistic, right. That's right. There's the optimistic uh, element, but there's the, also the realistic element, too, of just how things are changing. However, uh, you know, even if these expenses go away, you should still prepare for other costs to go up. For instance, what about major health care expense, uh, mm-hmm. expenses? We've seen this and the, and the different changes uh, here with Obamacare and different things over the last uh, couple of years. We've definitely felt that effect. Medicare also doesn't cover everything, and health care expenses and Medicare um, Let's see, health care expenses that Medicare doesn't cover, such as long-term care and different things, that can quickly add up, John. You know, So you also might spend more on other things, like um, you want to travel, you want to get out, you want to gift, uh, mm-hmm. you know, be a little more charitable, um, provide some financial support to relatives and friends. We've talked about that on other shows, some, some of the dangers there. Yeah, that's right. You know, so there, there are definitely some things that we've got to be careful of. The bottom line, though, right here is that it's safe – you know, it's safer to aim at covering 100% of your pre-retirement income than less, if possible. You know, as with any general rule, there are plenty of exceptions. So be sure to sit down and fine-tune your retirement budget, you know, as it gets closer. And remember, that's don't, don't base it off what... Um, the Joneses are doing that's over right. here. What's your situation look like? Yeah, that's that's a great point, Gordon. I mean, we see some people living off of 50%. It depends on right. do you have debt, um, mm-hmm. do you have an emergency fund, things like that. A lot of people um, you know, still have mortgages, so they're going to need the 80%. But if you don't have a mortgage... Uh, maybe you don't have um, you know a lot of needs to travel. You can make it off of fifty to sixty percent. That's right. I'll tell you this: you know, uh, saving a hundred percent is very, very difficult. You have to have a lot of savings early on in order to hit that goal. I mean, it's challenging. If you have a pension, that may be possible. Right. Right. Um, you know, two Social Securities coming in. There, there are ways to do that, but it's also very, very challenging. So, we'll uh, finish this topic up when we come back from the break. And if you have questions, you can certainly email us at info at moneymd.net, or you can call Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. You're listening to MoneyMD. We'll be right back after these messages, so stay with us.
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm John Travis, a Dave Ramsey local provider, here with Gordon Leppard, who's an advisor at Richard Young Associates as well. And uh, we're con- continuing our discussion about the five retirement myths. And, uh, Gordon, we went through two of them. Um, and for th- those of you just tuning in, we're missing our maestro here. Steve Marbert is um, is out on vacation and coming back in today. So been talking a little bit of football, ragging on the, the Tigers a little bit because um, he can't defend himself. That's so. right. This is this is an open field right I think, here. I huh? think Carolina will beat Clemson this year and mightily and uh, probably going to win the national title. So Wow. Yeah, big prediction here. I don't know. Did you see Ohio State at the beginning of I this did. week? Huh? That was impressive. That, that that was definitely the number one you know, team. This is the first time I think that they've been ranked number one where I really felt like they came oh, they out were, as a number one. They were phenomenal out there. They really were. They have athletes everywhere. All over the place. And, and they have a great coach. Urban Meyer is a great so, coach. So yeah, anyway, It's going to be an interesting year. It is. It's a fun time of the year, and um, we'll continue to bash on the Tigers throughout the show. Stay so tuned. Kind of stay yeah, <laughs> hang in with us. So the five myths. Uh, Gordon, we talked about the first one. A lot of people think that they can continue to work in retirement, um, and that's okay if you want to. That's a good source of income, but you know, having to work um, is right. the challenge. And we see the statistics. A lot of people plan on working, but they're not able to but based on health or maybe being downside. So, you know, not making that a, a, a cornerstone of your retirement plan is a good thing. But, you know, that's that's one thing people have to consider. The second one here is that you'll need 70 to 80% of pre-retirement income. This article goes on to say you should target 100%, which I think is great. Very, very hard to get to 100%. It um, is hard. It is hard to get For most people, to. 70 to 80% is going to be a reasonable number to target. We have clients that live off of 50%, and they're they're happy. So right. it depends on your own situation, um, certainly. And number three here on the list is um, the, the another myth is that you'll be in a lower tax bracket uh, once you retire. And even with the recent increases, marginal tax rates are still near their historic lows. And it's unlikely that most people will move to a lower tax bracket in in retirement. Even if they do, the change will likely be just a few percentage points rather than a major shift. Uh, For example, in in, uh, 2015, a couple with a pre-retirement income of $155,000 would have to earn less than half that amount to move from the 28% tax bracket to the 15% tax bracket. And sure, your salary will be going away, so you won't have FICA taxes, but you know, you'll still have income, such as distributions from retirement accounts, Social Security benefits, um, and so on. So you should you should remember that as recently as 1980, the top federal tax bracket was a whopping 70%. <clears throat> wow. I think it's coming back. I really do. While tax rates aren't likely to return to that level anytime soon, it's possible rates could rise in the future. So if your taxable income remains the same in retirement as when you're working, higher rates in the future could boost your tax liability and unless you have a very high pre-retirement income it's safe to assume that you'll keep paying taxes at roughly the same rate as as you do when you stop working that's one reason why we recommend roth iras we're big fans of roth it gives you some protection against rising tax rates that's right john and, and i totally agree with you there as well um you've got to have a couple different buckets to draw from yep there and we always talk with people about that <clears throat> excuse me um Stock market number four here. The stock market will save you. Hmm. Huh. What do you think about that, John? Yeah, I don't know. It's certainly a, it can be a cornerstone of the retirement plan, but um, you know, to save you, I mean, that's a pretty it, strong. Statement. That means you have to hit home runs. You don't have to hit home runs to be successful. No, 
We we just need to kind of put singles. the that's right singles doubles and, yep. and kind of stay in the game. There. That's right. You know the market declines of two thousand two and two thousand eight should have convinced most people that this is not a you know a reliable assumption at all. You know, and it's something that we could potentially be even looking at currently. Um, but with the market rising again, it's easy for you know people to forget that you may not may not see the kinds of returns going forward that you saw uh, the 30 years prior to 2000. It's always better to be a little more cautious when making assumptions about the market performance and to have some cash and, and more stable investments in your portfolio to help you weather those bear markets. Mm-hmm. And, you know, that's why we talk to people about true diversification. Yeah, and the risk tolerance. And risk tolerance well. and knowing their particular situation, you know. So whatever your risk tolerance, your retirement plan, spending plan should consider a range of reasonable portfolio outcomes. Um, you could plan for high single digit returns uh, for single for stocks and about half that for bonds, you know, despite today's extraordinary low interest rates. Uh, but don't assume the same return every year. You know, we, we know just mm-hmm. historically speaking that the market goes up. Yeah. The market goes down. Yeah. You know, we can't guarantee anything as advisors, sure. but we can definitely address that truism. Yeah, that's right. It's it's it goes up, it goes down. That's that's <laughs> it's like the weather. It's you know fifty percent sunny, fifty percent cloudy. <laughs> but I will say, Gordon, on that, you know, it has gone up more than it's gone down in the past. Now, we can't predict the future, but right. it is a fact that um, markets go down, but they have also gone back up more than they have gone down. That's right, historically. You know, and, and market gains they can they can help your savings go further in retirement, but they aren't a replacement for. Re- pre-retirement savings you know make sure that that you have a cushion of less volatile investments in place when you do reach you know retirement yeah that's a good one um you know that's the risk tolerance i think discussion is a very good one that we're having with a lot of folks these days i was going to say that's that's an entire radio segment in and of itself probably no doubt number five here on the list is that there will always be social security and you know some people head into retirement thinking they'll be able to rely on social security to cover most of their needs Uh, others doubt that social security will even exist by the time they retire but both scenarios they're, they're really too extreme the social security administration projects that the current system will remain sound through 2036 but beginning in 2037, benefits could be reduced by 22% and may continue to, to decline annually if no changes are made to the program. That's a pretty significant cut. Let's hope that we don't wait that long to make some changes. I mean, it's ridiculous. We see these. I mean, it's only 20 years out. I mean, that's not that long when you start talking about the big picture planning yeah. and so forth. And and there are some things that, that they can do today to make some changes that won't impact people for another, you know, five or ten years, and they can gradually place it in. But, um, you know, let's hope we don't wait till twenty thirty six to make those changes. Agreed. Social Security is likely to be a valuable resource for for many retirees, but don't get carried away. I mean, no matter what, Social Security is going to cover only a portion of your retirement spending, and you'll need additional savings to bridge the gap. And, you know, going in that light, I mean, I do see people that only have Social Security and. You know, the average Social Security check is, you know, like 1100 bucks. I was going to say eleven, twelve hundred dollars And it does, does not cover um, a lot, um, you know, particularly if you have a mortgage. Um, I just, you know, ran into a, a couple, and um, the, the spouse passed away, and they basically have uh, Social Security coming in. Mm. And that their house payment takes 
care of the Social Security piece of it. So there's not really additional savings to provide additional income. I, I, I think one key ingredient here, John, that we, we touch on and we you know, kind of preach to people about all the time is trying to go into retirement as debt-free as possible. Mm-hmm. Yes. That's huge. Yeah, it gives when, you a lot of flexibility. Yeah, when you don't have a mortgage, when you don't have a car payment, when you don't have other consumer debt, you know, that, that Social Security check can go a lot further oh, no doubt. along with other stuff. You no know? doubt. And it's a different the, – the stress that's associated with it as well. Yep. So, you know, let me kind of wrap this segment up. You know, it's it's definitely important to be flexible and adjust your plans where needed. Um, just, but don't get in a situation where your retirement works only if one set of assumptions turns out to be true. But you should also avoid the kind of pessimism that might cause you to scale back to the point where you're sacrificing more than necessary. And, Gordon, this is all wrapped up in in planning. You know, we do a lot of uh, retirement planning for our clients, sitting down talking about different scenarios, um, trying to do some what-if, you know, planning and and scenarios with our clients. So if you haven't done a plan, uh, there's tools out there on the web to do that. We can certainly help you with that process as well. But that really is a a key exercise that it really unlocks and gives people from what we see a little peace of mind about the direction that they're heading and um, some of the decisions they're making so think about doing some planning good article yeah all right so we're going to go to our question of the week and um, this question came from from a client and um, it's a good question made me think a little bit on how to answer it and it's uh, question is, is how much cash should i have on hand at my house and he was he asked me that question in light of what happened over in Greece a couple of months ago when the mm-hmm. bank shut down. And so yeah. we kind of started talking about it a little bit. Um, your, your mortgage, if you have one, a lot of times they're drafted from your bank account, so you don't necessarily need cash. But you probably need some cash for maybe um, gas, groceries. Food. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of people do have credit cards, debit cards, so there's some electronic ways to get through. So, you know, I, I guess a, a, a long answer to a short question is i would say probably a couple thousand dollars maybe 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 two it's according to your appetite yeah <laughs> how close you live to the grocery store right. can you walk there or drive, have yeah. to drive i mean maybe maybe some people <laughs> grow their own food so right but I, I just you know i don't know greece's economy that well i don't know if they have debit cards and credit cards um you know they were going and withdrawing money from the bank but um you know, most places in America are taking everything's electronic, not everything, but most things are electronic. So I just don't see the need for a large amount of cash. Well, here, here on the flip side of that, though, is if we do have a glitch in that grid, mm-hmm. then you you are going to need some type of currency to yeah. be able to make those transactions. Well, that's that's the other thing is if we did have that, what what does that mean from a mortgage payment? Do you send cash in? I mean, hey, you it's just, an interesting question. You, you get a month free. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Not going to happen. So, hey, I, I guarantee you they st- they probably still charge you interest for that. Yeah, they probably would. I don't know. Some some of them may let you let you buy, but so anyway, that that closes this segment and uh, question up. So if you do have questions, you can email us at info at moneymd.net or you can call us at Richard Young Associates at seven zero six seven three nine zero seven two five. You're listening to Money MD. We'll be right back after these messages and GNN News. Stay with us. Welcome. 
Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider, and I'm here with Gordon Leopard, who's an advisor at Richard Young Associates, and we are missing our maestro. Uh, if you haven't noticed, um, he normally does the intros, but he's out. You know, hanging out somewhere f- more fun than we are, I guess, huh? <laughs> the head doctor, again, like yeah. I said, is out of the office That's today, right. So. We've been we've been ragging on his Tigers a little bit, squeaking by this last week. I think they play another JV team today, hmm. Appalachian State or something. Is it? Okay. Yeah. Well, they better hope Appalachian State doesn't bring a, a Michigan whooping to them. Like, That's right. Remember yeah, a couple yeah, years I back? Do. Huh? Wouldn't, that, wouldn't that be fun? Man. <laughs> <laughs> we would have a good time next Georgia, week. Georgia we? plays uh, Vanderbilt. Vanderbilt, yeah. And South Mandy. Carolina plays uh, Kentucky. That's right. Uh, in Columbia. And Georgia Tech plays, I think, um, I'm not sure who they play. There's schedule around here somewhere. So um, you want to look at that? Here. Alcorn State. No, they just played them, I think. Tulane, okay. Well, they'll probably beat them, beat up on them too. So anyway, it's always good to uh, talk about money and football in the same segment. So, uh, but we do start a new segment here. It's called uh, "Money Traps to Avoid After a Spouse's Death." And um, Gordon, we you know we've talked about this, uh, you know at the at the opening. Unfortunately, we do sit down with um, uh, widows and widowers and and talk about their situation, and uh, it's heartbreaking. I mean, not only do they have emotional stress going on but a lot of times they have financial uh questions and issues as well it is and and a lot of times you know there's so many different things that are swirling around in their hearts and in their mind at the time you know if we can provide just an environment a place that they can just sit down and and rest Mm -hmm. for a moment and and just talk about those things uh that goes a long ways you know to really being able to uh look at what our next steps what are things that we should consider? And, and, and here's another big part of that uh, equation, John. I'm not alone. Mm-hmm. That's right. You know, not being alone. And that, that, that's something that uh, a lot of those uh, widows and widowers, they feel at that time. Yeah. That they're very, very lonely. They just lost one of the closest persons, you know, that's right. in, their, in their life. Yeah, and we can certainly both relate to this, uh, this author's account uh, of the that's following right. meeting he had with a client. Um, you know, this comes from uh, uh, a guy's name is Aaron Katzman from MarketWatch.com. And he said he met with a lady earlier who had lost um, her husband about a year ago. She explained that she had never really been involved in the family finances. And after right. her husband passed away, she was overwhelmed. I mean, she said that she didn't know what to do first and decided to go online and read some personal finance articles that really helped her get her back on track. And, you know, at the end of the meeting, um, you know, she had done a good job of taking control of her financial situation and uh, starting to make some smart financial moves. I just had a conversation with a lady a couple of days ago, and she lost her husband, um, and she's in disarray. And I basically said, start gathering documents, writing right. stuff down, come in, we'll sit down and go through all the paperwork and figure out a plan. You know, one, th- one thing that you even suggested a couple months ago was, putting together kind of a list, mm-hmm. you know, kind of a punch list of things uh, that we could provide to clients during this time. Right. And they said, hey, here's some priorities that mm-hmm. you really need to consider, you know, and, and it really gives them a guide and helps them focus. You know, on, on a side note, lest you think this is uh, going to be a condescending article or segment about widows or, or, or people that have lost spouses and their inability to handle money, it's not. We're not here to bash anybody. In fact, you know, though unscientific from from our experience, women tend to deal with spouse loss better than men. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I mean, we both had our share of meetings with uh, widows and widowers who have not managed to take control of their financial situation. That's right. And so here are some of the money pitfalls to avoid if you if you do lose your spouse. And, you know, as I read this and kind of think through, this is also, in some cases, for folks who have been divorced. That's right. I mean, you know, some of these same feelings and emotions uh, we see when we sit down with someone that's just gone through a divorce. But, um, you know, the first one here is long-lost cousin Fred. I mean, not long after the mourning period and before the insurance check arrives, their surviving spouse becomes very popular among relatives and, and uh, uh, with business ideas, much like Mark Cuban on the hit show Shark Tank. Uh, the widow is hit up for money for the next hottest business, and often they have the best intentions, but they fall prey um, to some of these schemes and scams. And, you know, unfortunately, we see this from a professional athlete standpoint a lot oh. as well. Oh, you yes. know, if you have money, you're going to have some long-lost cousins. People come out of the woodworks. That's right. You know, and, and, and then there are the financial bad apples that, you know, they, they prey on those recently widowed and especially the elderly, you know. Uh, there There's a nat- natural inclination among surviving spouses to invest in secure investments offering regular income that never runs out. There are all kinds of products being pitched to supposedly help accomplish this goal. Well, sadly, these products tend to enrich the salesperson's uh, you know, pocket at your expense. One CEO uh, said recently uh, regarding the buying of some annuities, you might as well just be giving the salesperson's money to put their kid through a private school or something. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's yeah. that's kind of a that's kind of harsh, a harsh shot. Yeah. But you know, sometimes it's true. Yeah, I mean, some annuities in, in in circumstances may be the right fit for the person based on their circumstances, based on what their goals and values are. So. You know, in some cases, annuities may be a reasonable choice. That and their tendencies. Yeah, that's right. You know, if they have some money tendencies, spending tendencies that they really can't control, yep, that might be a viable option. Yep. So upon receipt of a large sum of money from an insurance policy, um, you know, do nothing with the money for three or four months. I mean, that's the first advice yeah. that we talk with folks on is just let it sit there. Don't spend. Don't go buy new stuff. Just kind of let it, let it kind of sit there. Uh, just put it in a bank. Don't make any rash decisions, uh, impulsive purchases, or investments until you feel like you're in control and making rational decisions. You know, we've seen many times instances where a surviving spouse receives a large death benefit and squanders it immediately um, by buying all those things that they quote needed to be bought or giving overly large gifts to children to help them out. Obviously, there's nothing against helping children out, but you got to make sure that you're taken care of first. If you're not healthy financially, you can't help your kids. That and the, and the stuff is not going to fill that void. That's right. You know, because you'll just keep packing and buying stuff, 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 and and that that gaping hole will never be filled. You know, here here's the next one, John, that you alluded to. Make sure you take control. Before, you know, making those investments or, or big gift, gifting decision, it's important to figure out how much money is needed on a monthly basis. Mm-hmm. It gets back to the planning aspect. You know, wait a few months to try to determine how much money is required. Um, the reason to wait a while is that you may have all kinds of immediate expenses that skew the numbers at first. You know, the, the, the budget's blown out of proportion a little bit, and and this, then it gives you uh, an inflated figure of what you need. But after things calm down, start to track those expenses. What do what does the regular routine require? Um, break your expenses down to those that are monthly, and then those that are annual. You know, one time expenses. Once you have this organized, write down all of your various sources of income, salary, Social Security, 
pension, rental, different kinds of income, know what's coming in. You know, this is getting back down to the basics of budgeting here. Yeah, this means, you know, once once you know how much money uh, enters your bank account each month, then create the budget that limits your spending to that amount. You know, it's kind of like Dave says, uh, you know, stay out of debt, mm-hmm. act your wage. Yep. You know, stay within that. After defining the cash flow needs, investment allocation decisions then can be made. You know what you have to invest. You know what you have to work with. If income is less than expenses, the money can be invested uh, to generate some income to hopefully supplement the the monthly shortfall. And then conversely, if expenses are lower uh, than the current income, then you may have potential for more growth, a more growth uh, oriented type allocation, yep. you know, for your portfolio. Yeah, you know, the death of a spouse is certainly emotionally devastating, and a lot of times it's financially devastating as well because people just feel um, uncertain and they have a lot of fear. So by avoiding certain traps and implementing some of the tips we talked about, you can start to take control of your financial situation, which to some degree will help you um, with the healing process. Um, so, Gordon, is, you know, we've talked about before, we, we do help folks out. Um, you know, there's no commitment. We sit down with, you know, people all the time and help them with crisis issues, whether it be divorce or loss of a loved one or, you know, debt management sometimes. So if you need help, reach out to us. We can certainly uh, help out with that. That was a good article, John. Yep. And then uh, we're going to go to the prescription of the week. Um, if you are considering selling your business, um, consult a lawyer. Um, been dealing with a lot of uh, folks lately that are that are entrepreneurs. Mm-hmm. Um, they're in their mid to late fifties, and they're trying to figure out. I, I talked to them about monetizing their business, meaning how do you get value out of what what you've spent the last thirty years creating? Right. A lot of times, it's a single uh, individual, and they've got to get someone coming in behind them. Um, to continue those revenues. So either you get a lump sum from them or maybe you get a monthly payment um, for the rest of your life. So there's different ways to structure it, but there are great lawyers in this area that do that for a living, and they can help you with that. That and some CPA groups can really yep. help you put a valuation uh, mm-hmm. on that. Uh, a CBA is a certified valuation specialist. Yeah, that's a good, very good uh, point. So they can really help you put some numbers to that um, to the value of your business yeah very good very good all right so we're going to close this segment out and if you have questions you can uh, email us at info at moneymd.net or you can call us at richard young associates at 706-739-0725 you're listening to money md we'll be right back after these messages stay with us Welcome back to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. I'm John Travis. I'm a Dave Ramsey local provider, and here with Gordon Leppard, who is an advisor as well at Richard Young Associates. And we're going to lead off our last segment with an article out of CNN Money. And, um, it's called uh, Africa Ripe for Investment. But before we go to that, if you're just joining us for some reason in the last 15 minutes, uh, Steve, our maestro, our head doctor, our lead medical lead physician, lead there. physician from a money standpoint, is not with us today. Hmm. He's out there uh, gallivanting around, much deserved vacation. But uh, he'll be back with us next week. He think he's coming back in today, but. Um, 
been talking a little football here, but I guess we'll just dive right in. You look excited about this article. <laughs> We're going to take a trip to Africa, John. Africa, huh? all right. That's all right. The thing about Africa is that there's there's a lot of potential there. Have you ever seen the um, uh, Jimmy Fallon and Justin Timberlake singing the Africa song? I don't think I have. Go YouTube that. Okay. It's hilarious. Um, who, was, who sang the Africa song back in the 80s? Duran Duran. Was it? Okay. See, that's, that's what I, I was thinking. Man, we should have led in with yeah. uh, rain down in Africa. Yeah. You know? Go check out the YouTube with Fallon and Timberlake. It's okay. hilarious. Well, you know, speaking of Africa, there, there's a lot of potential there. When it, when it comes to investing around the globe, you know, most investors or many investors they detour around Africa, but experts say that could be a mistake. You know, over the past decade, Africa has been the second fastest growing economy in the world. I, I didn't really realize that, John, no, until we uh, looked at this article. With a GDP accelerating more than 5% a year on average, according to the World Bank. And even as the global economy has slowed in recent months, growth in Africa has largely remained on track and, and remained steady with the World Bank predicting the continent could be on the brink of economic takeoff, uh, much like China was 30 years ago and India 20 years ago, mm-hmm. even with the craziness you know, that we kind of have going on right now in the global economy. They still seem to be heading forward. Yeah, you know, I, I talk to people often. Sometimes I talk to, to kids about this. How are companies going to grow their earnings? Um you know, is it better for, and we'll just use Starbucks, um, to go to Topeka, Kansas and open up a Starbucks, or is it better to go to Africa? I mean, I don't know the answer to that, but I can tell you there's no Starbucks or not many in Africa, so the demand there probably is going to be higher long term than it is in Topeka, Kansas. That and the novelty of it. Yeah, well, that's right. You know, there's a, there's a novelty element, I think, to the growth aspect as well. Yep. Uh, certain certain things. This gentleman, Larry uh, Saruma, he's a managing principal at um, Nile Capital Management, and uh, he's a manager of a mutual fund out there. Um, he says the consumer demand in Africa is enormous. I mean, according to the McKinsey Global Institute, household consumption is now higher in Africa than in India or Russia and is only expected to surge further. In fact, the number of African households with discretionary income is expected to jump by more than 50% to almost 130 million by 2020. So, wow. yeah, big big growth numbers. Um, this fund is largely invested in Nigeria, which is uh, Africa's second largest economy, uh, where economic growth is clocked in around 6% each quarter. Um, this goes back into 2012. And uh, back then, the stock market had done done pretty well. It's probably cooled off a little bit since that time, but that's again, that's what markets do. Um, one way that uh, this fund profits from Africa's rising consumer class is through food and beverage stocks. Two of the fund's uh, top holdings include um, a uh, spirits maker and um, also a um, uh, Nestle, which is uh, the world's biggest food company. So some basic stuff. I mean, we're not talking about cell phones and movie theaters we're talking about food and drink well and and now they're also starting to include some financial service institutions within the fund as well you know including uh, like the first bank of nigeria zenith bank and guaranteed trust bank nigeria alone has over 160 million people john again i I didn't realize that but there's there's just there's a lot of people there but only 20 million of the 160 actually have bank accounts Mm -hmm. and uh you know as more of the population starts banking we'll see a lot more growth in the financial sector you know more deposits more business lending more mortgage loans uh there and that creates more opportunity for growth Mm -hmm. 
You know, so that's that's where that part of the stimulus will come in. And, you know, the rapid growth of mobile subscribers in Africa is also a big draw for investors. Uh, while Africa is the fastest growing mobile market in the world, um, with subscriptions growing nearly 20 percent annually, the rate of mobile uh penetration or coverage basically in africa is less than 70 percent and that's far less than the world average of 91 percent and the lowest in regional rates so you know they still have to expand their network but again that's part of the growth process jobs are being created mm-hmm. you know as that network grows and uh it's putting people to work and yeah that's you know. how that's how capitalism works though you know i mean mcdonald's i'm certainly i'm sure is looking over there you know, Starbucks, um, movie theaters, Applebee's. I mean, there are companies that are starting to look at Africa as a place, you know, to invest some of their capital. And um, to capitalize on some of these growth prospects, um, this Africa Capital Group owns uh, shares and it's called Vodacom um, or Vodacom, which provides mobile services to South Africa, Tunisia, the Democratic Republic of Con- Congo, and some other places. Mozambique. Um, What's that? Yeah. Mozambique. Yeah. Um, Thorne is uh, also attracted to the company because it trades on one of the local stock exchanges. Um, he basically says, we're looking for companies that have a significant operation in the sub-Saharan Africa, but we want to buy them in the developed markets that have first world trading and execution. Um, you know, one of the companies that uh, they're looking at is a cement company. It's one of the biggest companies on the uh, Nigerian stock market, and um, they're hoping that its shares would list on London. So, again, some fundamental things, building, you know, roads, bridges, buildings, mortgages, housing. It's, that's how it starts. But from a growth standpoint, Africa probably has more growth potential than Topeka, Kansas. Yeah, I mean, that's know, what it boils down to. That and, and with a company like that, they're – there, there's huge opportunity. You know, the the amount of, uh, I think you said it was a cement company, right? Yeah. Uh, the, the amount of cement that Africa needs to grow its infrastructure, you know, such as building bridges, dams, um, railways, mm-hmm. it's off the chart. You know, there, there's so much development that needs to be done there. there there's decades and decades of work to be had there. Uh, the company already has a strong revenue and high profit margins, and there's nothing to stop it from selling a lot more cement over the next, like I said, several decades. Uh, while Thorns sees the, the lack of liquidity in local financial uh, markets there as an obstacle, he's not worried about the political turmoil throughout the continent. You know, one of the main knocks against investing in Africa is the risk of political instability mm-hmm. or coup d'etat, you know. But investors need to realize that Africa is a big continent with over 54, about 54 countries. Mm. What happens on the ground in Mali doesn't necessarily affect South Africa much because all the different countries, they still have a very domestic economy. You know, they're very distinct, and they're not too interrelated yet. And that gives you, like we mentioned earlier, kind of a built-in diversification. Sure. Already. Yeah, and and investors are taking notice. I mean, during the first three quarters back in 2012, um, African stocks attracted more than $2 billion uh, of money. And, um, you know, Gordon, when we talk about investing, I mean, we always believe in diversification. So, you know, having a small amount of money in Africa may make sense in an emerging markets fund. Um, But it's it's an overall, you know, global growth. Where is global growth going to come from? And you know, Africa could be one of those places. Right. I mean, you know, economic performance in emerging markets will continue likely to outpace out of developed markets. And uh, global interest rates 
uh, likely will remain low, um, you know, over the foreseeable future. And that's a powerful combination of factors working for emerging market debt and attractive for investors seeking uh, higher yields, you know, long term. Right, and you know there there's some investment grade bonds, you know that are they're offering some some pretty high yields, um, much higher than the average investment grade emerging market sovereign debt, uh, as well as uh, I think some bonds out of Nigeria. Um, but you really have to be careful with some of those different investments. Make sure that you're you're working with uh, you know a competent advisor right. or someone that you know you didn't just receive an email that says yeah hey I am stuck over here you know yeah. you know those spam oh, email yeah. type things that uh, we we've talked about on several different occasions you know but after the inclusion we you know we saw uh, a lot of growth we see a lot of growth. Uh, developing there, and the the future looks pretty bright. Yeah, and certainly when you invest in international markets, there are some additional risks you have to be concerned with, currency, political. We talked about some of them. And we're not saying we should all go and invest in Africa. Our point in this is that growth and even U.S. companies that they're looking to grow, they look outside the U.S. borders. I mean, there are tremendous opportunities outside the U.S. to grow, and that's where a lot of these companies' basic stuff like cement – um, food, you know, clean water, things like that, uh, medical, um, that's where a lot of the growth is going to come from is in some of these, quote, third world co- countries that are starting to to make some changes. And now we're, you know, probably 10 to 20 years out from it being a, in India or China. But, um, you know, growth is not just in the U.S. It's outside the borders as well. Well, we talk about that all the time. You know, we're, we're definitely in a global economy now. Yep, that's right. Well, very good. I'm glad that you joined us. Uh, sorry that you uh, missed uh, Mr. Marbert. He'll be back next week. But uh, this has been this week's edition of Money MD. Tune in next Saturday from 9 to 10 a.m. to hear more prescriptions for your financial health. Check out our website, moneymd.net, and email us your questions at info at moneymd.net or call us at Richard Young Associates at 706-739-0725. Thanks for listening, and have a great weekend. Have a great weekend. Ladies and gentlemen, children of Material on this program is intended for general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. None of the information contained in this broadcast is intended by the host to be a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. Endorsed local provider is an endorsement of customer service only and does not reflect quality of investment decisions and is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Young Associates, a registered investment advisor. Security sold through Independent Financial Group, LLC, member of FINRA and SIPC. Jesus!